You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, J.C. softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also it's second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first. Okay. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you box Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm flying solo yet again. Shane's on another vacation. My goodness, this man takes more vacations than a dentist. So hopefully we get Shane back on as soon as we can. But don't worry, we got a great interview on this episode. Anwar Richardson covers the Texas Longhorns for orangebloods.com. This is the first time we've ever had someone that covers Texas Longhorns on the show. And, uh, you know, he really delivered the goods. So I really appreciate that. I think you guys are going to like it. Like we said on the last episode, there is football from now to February. And it's officially getting real here in the SEC because Tennessee, of course, uh, opens the season Thursday night against Bowling Green. They're going to be opening camp this week. And here on Tuesday, they had their media day. So we got comments from Josh Heupel here in a moment. But the season is really here. Once these coaches start breaking down the season, players we're talking into. So we're going to have some Tennessee comments on this episode. And for the next uh, several months, we're going to have coaches and player comments. Uh, as much as we can get our hands on. But before we get to that, oh man, some heated comments here. Now he plays for UCF, but he used to play for Auburn. Followed Gus Malzahn down there. Big Cat Bryant. All SEC fans should be familiar with that name. He committed to Tennessee. (laughs) Hunter Jeremy Pruitt and Kevin Steele. And then once all that went down, ooh, he pulled out real quick. And now he's uh, down at UCF. But He's still got some words for them Auburn Tigers. So let's kick it over to now UCF lineman, Big Cat Bryant. Hey, UCF's had had trouble getting SEC teams to play them. They don't want to play them. Um, I'm just wondering, how how does this roster stack up with SEC? Right now? Yeah. I mean, we'll beat somebody like Auburn, for sure. Like, it would be Auburn for sure. Uh, but, like, no, man. Um, you didn't play in the Peach Bowl against hmm. UCF. Yeah, I did. Hey, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. I, I was a freshman. I was a freshman. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a lot different. A lot of, lot of different, you know, players and caliber caliber guys. But I ain't going to lie. We'll be a team like 
Auburn. Do you Ole think Miss. this program has a chip on its shoulder? Oh yeah, for like sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, that's why I came in. That's why I was looking for a team. You know, looking and looking in for you know that, that the team had like, things like that. That was some of the some of the characteristics that I was looking to for a team, and I feel like UCF had it, and so that's why I came. Man, these UCF, not only the fans, but the players, man, they talk it, don't they? Uh, I don't see them do it on the field, but they do certainly do talk it. <laughs> I just thought those comments were great. I mean, how bad would he, – he mentioned Ole Miss too. How bad would Ole Miss and Auburn smash UCF? I'd say probably by about 20 points, 20, 28 points this year with uh, old Gus down there running his outdated offense at – couldn't even work with uh, SEC athletes all across the field. I don't think it's going to work uh, there in UCF with uh, Josh Heupel no longer there to to carry that program. So, hey, we'll see. We'll see who's right. Big Cat Bryant, maybe if, if they go undefeated and get themselves into a another New Year's Six Bowl, they'll probably face an SEC team. But I'd say they're closer to 6-6 six and six than 12-0 and this year. But that wasn't the only uh, great comments we had. Lane Kiffin, you know, when he wants, he delivers uh, some solid comments. He had a brief appearance here on the uh, Dan Patrick show on Tuesday. And right before he got off the line, he was asked about uh, coaching and recruiting against Alabama, Nick Saban, that machine down there. These are some really good comments here from Kiffin. Does it feel hopeless at times, given how great Alabama is? Um, A little bit. You know, at times um, in recruiting, especially when, you know, announces that his quarterback, his backup quarterback from last year is getting a million dollars. That's going to be a little hard to recruit against. <laughs> I mean, like he just accidentally threw that out there, you know. It didn't you need to get Warren Buffett or Jeff Bezos to uh, be a sugar daddy for the program there. Yeah, we, we, we're going to need some help on that one. Uh, I, and I think he's signing a new contract. Like, how much is Saban worth if, if you put a of dollar figure on it each year to that program I mean, way more than what, what he makes. And, and I understand, you know, faculty. And when people say, okay, how does a guy like that make that much money when he just coaches football, but you know, the money he brings into the program and the university, you know, people don't really, when a football program's rolling, you know, the university changes, um, you know, student applications change, you know, so tuition goes up, you know, every, everything changes. So as crazy as it is, kids around the country will watch a football program doing well. And they say, I want to go there, even though they don't play football. All right. So, <laughs> hey, it's like we were saying, I mean, Nick Saban threw that out for a reason. He wants all the recruits out there to know you come to Alabama before you even see the field, potentially. You could be a millionaire. Oh, how convenient that slipped right out. Coach Saban, the day before SEC media days, you knew he was going to get asked about that 50 bajillion times, and that's why he said it the day before Alabama showed up to that event. So, hey, they call him the greatest of all time for a reason. He knows the moves on the field. He knows the moves off the field. And credit to uh, Lane Kiffin for kind of, I don't want to say calling him out, but Hey, he's just praising the goat here. Even Lane Kiffin knows Nick Saban is the greatest of all time. But next, let's kick it on down to Rocky Top. Tennessee is going to be hitting the practice field for the first time here, I believe, on Wednesday. And uh, here on Tuesday to open camp, Josh Heupel. It's a new era on Rocky Top, but I'm seeing mixed emotions from a lot of people. A lot of people think Josh Heupel, not a great coach, bringing him in here. Losing all these guys from the portal. I've been trying to 
you know, caution those uh, pessimistic fans. I know hell, we just had Brett Sialka on here, pick six previews. He didn't help. He said Tennessee sixth. And, you know, they make some good points. I'm not saying that's totally baseless or anything. I mean, there's certainly many reasons for concern there on Rocky Top going into year one of the Josh Heupel era. But the more people I speak with, the more this Josh Heupel system and his coaching record looks pretty outstanding. And these are not, you know, fan opinions. These are, I'm talking analytics, computer modeled, people that go by their numbers. They're not giving straight opinions. They all love Josh Heupel. They love his offense. Now, of course, the key to the whole thing, though, is do they have a quarterback? Because if you, the offense is not going to work if you don't have a capable quarterback under center. And uh, that's one thing that, uh, you know, Josh Heupel has really been able to produce. Going back to his days at Oklahoma, coming to Missouri, and at uh, UCF. I mean, it, basically every quarterback he touched turned to gold. Got those guys developed, produced elite numbers. And, you know, I keep comparing this Tennessee team to last year's Ole Miss. I see a lot of similarities. And you got to remember, I know everybody right now, they all love Matt Corral. And for good reason, he's deserved all the praise thrown his way this offseason. But you had idiots like me, didn't even think he was going to be the starting quarterback last year. Matt Corral was in a battle with uh, John Rice Plumley, And John Rice Plumley, two years ago, you know, it was clear as day. He was the better option. Now, you insert a coach that knows what the hell he's doing, gets the most out of these quarterbacks, and all of a sudden, Matt Corral, I don't want to call him a Heisman favorite. That's not fair, but Heisman dark horse, NFL draft pick potential, first rounder. That is how quickly the narrative can change. And whereas right now Tennessee's, you know, the narrative is it's boring football. Nobody wants to go there. Uh, It's a mixed reaction. Fans not that excited about the Josh Heupel era. Well, last time I checked, Harrison Bailey just as touted as Matt Corral. Joe Milton, also another former Elite 11 quarterback. And the guy that uh, I am not discounting there, Hendon Hooker, may not have all the physical tools, but he has played at at a high level at Virginia Tech in the past. Hell, he started, I believe it was 6-1, and one, won his first game on the road against a Miami Manny Diaz coach defense, led a game-winning drive, and, that, and we're talking his first career start. So, Hendon Hooker has got some potential as well. So, I wouldn't discount any of these guys. And hell, even Brian Maurer at times has, has shown some flashes. So, I'm just saying, Heupel's track record. Talent at quarterback, there's talent at receiver, running back, offensive line. The pieces are in place for Tennessee to have an immediate turnaround on that offensive side of the ball, but it's going to come down to can the staff identify and develop a quarterback this season. And Josh Heupel went to the podium for the first time in training camp. That was the number one question. How about these quarterbacks? Josh, uh, at what point do you feel like you need to whittle down the rest for your quarterbacks, and do you feel like you need to name a starter game week? Uh, I anticipate us having a starter uh, during the course of, of week one for sure. Uh, that doesn't mean the other guys won't have opportunities to, to share roles. I think it's the, the challenge for every player 
to earn the trust of the coaching staff and show that they're going to compete at a consistent and championship level. Uh, once kids do that, I think it's important that you as a coaching staff put them in position to have an opportunity to have a role and, and play a part of, of what you're doing. Uh, quarterbacks, just like every other position, uh, those competitive battles that they're in, uh, you dwindle the reps down and make decisions when guys have shown that they've earned the opportunity to, to become a one or become a two or become a three, you know, based on, on how they perform. And so as we go through training camp, uh, the players will dictate how that unfolds. Yeah, Coach, two things follow up on that. Does that mean you're okay if it's a two-quarterback platoon thing to start the year, or do you want it to be one quarterback as the starter? Yeah, uh, for the quarterbacks, uh, they're going to earn their role um, as they go through training camp. I anticipate us having a, a starter. It doesn't mean that other guys won't have an opportunity to play. And what that looks like is dictated by the, the performance during the course of training camp and where you feel like collectively and individually that group lies. And, and uh, uh, if you look at our track record, we've typically had a starter, um, but other guys have had situational roles that uh, have been a big part of, of our success offensively. I don't think any position, the strength of a pos position can just be one guy. I know that's unique with a quarterback that there typically is one guy, but I think you got to continually develop that, that room. Josh, when, when it does come time to decide on a quarterback, what kind of uh, particular skills are you definitively looking for? What, what does a quarterback have to show you that they can accomplish throughout fall camp to earn your trust to be named the starter? Yeah, you said the key thing. Uh, you have to trust them. They, they have the ball in their hand every single play. They are a decision maker. They control so much of what we do offensively in the pass game, in the run game as well. There's a lot on their plate. And so uh, the ability uh, to trust that guy with the ball is extremely important. I think it's important that you know your offensive players, your staff uh, on both sides, uh, and your defensive players uh, see that that guy earns the, the opportunity to be that guy. Uh, he's got to be a guy that can handle not playing a game of perfection, too, and be able to reset from one play to another. Um, that includes after a great play, uh, but certainly after a negative play, too, uh, the ability to, to respond the right way. All right, if nothing else, I mean, that's got to give you a hell of a lot more confidence than uh, the last regime there in Knoxville. You know, certainly a breath of fresh air, an offensive guy talking quarterbacks there on Rocky Top, not something we're used to seeing. And just given his track record, you know, I have very little doubt that uh, he's going to be making the right decision. No idea who that will be. Certainly seems like everybody loves this Joe Milton, but uh, I'm leaning more towards Hendon Hooker and Harrison Bailey. But, uh, hey, we'll see how it shakes out here the next three or four weeks heading into this opener. We'll see if Tennessee names a quarterback for kickoff here against Bowling Green. And uh, we had someone from that covers UCF said, based on Heupel's track record, don't look for Heupel to name a quarterback until game time. So interesting. We'll see how it goes. But uh, that's that wasn't the only comment here because the other big storyline, and it's something that uh, you know when you're mentioning Tennessee, you kind of you have to touch on is just the lack of depth on that roster right now due to all the attrition this off season. Uh, that is something that even Josh Heupel is willing to admit. You know, this uh, depth and keeping our guys healthy, that's going to be key to the season. Let's kick it back over to Josh Heupel. Josh, you have had a lot more players that left in the transfer portal than you signed in the portal. You've also had a couple of players that can't play for injuries. And I just wonder how concerned are you about your depth on offense and defense? Yeah, certainly. Uh, just where we're at roster-wise, we are thinner th than you typically want to be or are uh, when you when you head into training camp. Uh, keeping our kids healthy uh, throughout training camp, but during the course of the season, will be a, a huge 
impact or have a huge impact on our season. Uh, you know, we got to continue to develop uh, the roster from from the bottom up, and and uh, we're going to have some young guys are going to need to help us as we go through this season. So you can see right there. I mean, sometimes, no, well, I'd say damn near every time. The uh, the higher the strength and conditioning coach, it's always overrated, but. Uh, the success and failure or failure of Tennessee this season could very well hinge on how well this uh, this training staff and the strength staff gets these guys ready to play and keeps them fresh as possible. Because while people like me tout how much talent Josh Heupel actually does have to work with, and people are over overlooking it, it's not a deep roster. Admittedly, I mean they when you start to get to that bottom third of the roster it's uh it's a mess right now for the Tennessee so yeah this is uh, going to be something that defines them but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative I mean they catch some breaks don't get uh, nicked up in camp and somehow manage to navigate the schedule without any massive injuries you know that is going to be paramount to the season and that's that Josh Heupel hit on there and last comments here you know he didn't go uh on, a, on too much he didn't reveal too much information but he was asked about the latest on the NCAA investigation, and I loved uh, how he ended his answer here. Hey, Josh, have you had any uh, recent conversations with the administration about whether there's any plan to, to self-impose any penalties this year, and have you had an opportunity uh, to offer your opinion and, and weigh in on that with the administration? Not, uh, my, my focus and our team's focus is on controlling the controllables, and everybody's extremely excited about where, what we've done and where we're heading and the opportunity to get on the field tomorrow and, and start our, our training camp. Um, you know, <clears throat> from the moment that I've got here, uh, our administration has kind of handled everything that's going on with the, the NCAA investigation. We've tried to be transparent and true with, with the kids in the building and the, and the kids that we're recruiting. Uh, I don't know where that will ultimately end up or the time frame on that, um, but, uh, um, you know, when we do, uh, we'll communicate that with our players. But, you know, for us right now, every goal that we want to obtain is out there, and it's up to us to go chase it every single day. All right, and I think this is perfect. I mean, there's no resolution you can give. There's no, no new information you can share. But what can you share? You can share, hell, we've got a mission. It's got nothing to do with what's going on with the NCAA sanctions. We've got to put a winning product on the field, get to the postseason, beat some of these teams we've not been beaten. And that's the goal there with Josh Heupel and his Tennessee roster. And I think that's the only message you can have to that locker room. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe with the damn NCAA on on life support right now, who in the hell knows, uh, you know, if and when they'll come down to a ruling or how it's going to go. But uh, at least with uncertainty being all you've got to offer, I think this is the best thing Josh Heupel could have said here. All right, so enough spieling from me, though. Let's kick it over to our interview with Anwar Richardson of Orange Bloods. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Anwar Richardson. You can give him a follow at Anwar Richardson on Twitter, and he covers the Texas Longhorns for orangebloods.com. Anwar, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you 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 invite me on and followed you for a while. And you know, like I was telling you beforehand, like this is it's fun for me because I'm a country boy. I'm a I'm a Floridian. I I went to high school down in Polk County, Florida. I went to Lakeland High School, the Dreadnoughts, Bill Castle, and everything I've done throughout most of everything is my career. You you said you had Tennessee roots. Mm -hmm. One of the high school when I got out of uh, 
co college and I was covering high school sports, as like a lot of people have to do, uh, probably the best athlete I've ever covered was a guy by the name of Travis Henry. Oh, yeah. Uh, who you should be very familiar with. And I was there. I, I remember covering Travis uh, from the sophomore season when he was also playing nose guard and got switched over kind of halfway through the season. And all of a sudden, some, this craziness ensued. Uh, and also covered his senior year where he had rushed for, it was like 4,087 yards in his senior season. Um, and then led them to a state, uh, the championship game. Can't remember. It's been a long time. I want to say they lost Jacksonville Bowls or something to that effect. But very, just saying, like, I'm very, very familiar with it. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Well, I had to have you on, man. Say welcome to the SEC, brother, because you're, you're in it with us now. The Texas Longhorns coming to the SEC. And, uh, you know, I saw, you know, some of my uh, followers already started to get on you. That's what ball Twitter does. Yeah. Who is the real UT? That They took a big issue with you calling Texas UT. In your mind, who's the real UT? Well, first of all, the issue really was the, te the, the Tennessee fans who didn't understand that UT is called Texas. So what, what, what started going back and forth was that Tennessee fans were correcting me <laughs> and saying, we don't know what Tennessee has to do with this Board of Regents vote. We're sure he, you know, he must mean <laughs> Texas. So that's what was the back and forth was people who were challenging me, telling me, it's, and I'm like, wait a second, it's called UT Arlington. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's what they call it. So, I mean, you can't, I, I, no, I, the, the only mission was, I, it's like you can battle back and forth, like real Roxanne or something like that. Like who's got the real thing? Man, they're both UT. I just think Tennessee fans are going to have to get used to people calling another school UT. And I think there's going to be that whole, it's like you, you got two people with the same name and they're both John. And you're like, well, which one's, which one is John? I'm like, and so you know John and someone's going to respond. So there's going to have to be some sort of compromise here that occurs. Oh, good luck. But I, I will tell you this, Texas fans are not going to give up UT. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that much. That that was that's not part that was not part of the things that they were said like uh, in, in Tice or anything like that. I think Tennessee fans are going to have to get used to it, uh, and they're probably going to get offended. They're probably going to get offended by that. But uh, if you just go Longhorns, that's fine. But you, you're going to hear UT a lot. So how big of a surprise was all this move? Because uh, I was completely blindsided by it. I've heard rumblings that uh, the SEC considering breaking away from the NCAA, and if if there was going to be a big announcement that's what I thought it was I did not know that Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC so uh was that a surprise for you guys over at Orange Bloods oh my goodness it definitely was a surprise you know you know it's it's a big a thing where you know Texas several years ago you know considered joining the Pac-12 and that was going to be like some sort of super mega conference and mm -hmm. you know I'll be honest like you know ten Texas fans have kind of turned their nose up to the SEC you know for years they've kind of felt like that's not really a conference for them uh, that's a conference for everybody else and so you know, the, even when there may have been an opportunity years ago for Texas to maybe try to go with AM or something to that effect, uh, they didn't because they just didn't think that's where the party was at. That was where all the cool kids would be. Uh, but things change. Times change. And we all understand mm -hmm. the SEC is where it's at. I mean, the SEC is 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 everything. And so I think what, what we've seen now for, for Texas is saying, OK, got the biggest got the big brand that make more money than any other college athletic department. But there is this thing about this, the success that they want to have 
in in all sports, especially in the football realm. Right. And this allows them the opportunity to to be to be in a conference that they don't have to carry. And I'm not saying they've carried them through the success or anything like that, but they are the most you know, the name. You know, that's the reason why there's a big TV rights deal. It's because of the name. People. When they think of the Big 12, they don't necessarily think Kansas State. They don't necessarily think Baylor. don't necessarily think TCU or Texas Tech. There's two names that come to mind. It's Oklahoma, and, it's, and of course, it's Texas. Now, Oklahoma comes to mind because of Oklahoma's success, mm-hmm. six straight conference titles. And so, you know, you know that that's going to have an impact. So what's interesting is to see two rivals essentially joining together to say, like, this is the move that needs to be made. I think it speaks to the power of the SEC. It speaks to the brand that was built, the, 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 how the commissioners and all the other programs are able to build this brand. And when, from a football perspective, it becomes a really interesting thing because now if you add in Oklahoma, you add in Texas, and you add now you add in more playoff spots, how many more spots does this mean that the SEC could potentially take as far as the playoffs are, are concerned. I mean, you already know there would be a good amount anyway. Right. Uh, that brings that brings more competitiveness to it. You know, I think it's a great situation because it's not a situation where Texas comes in and all of a sudden the, everyone bows down to Texas. Like all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, Texas is here. <laughs> Woo, they've, they've come here to save the league. Like that's not it. You know, it, it, there's still going to be a time where it's 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 the new person that gets gets into the high school or the college, and you got to find your way in. You got to earn respect, you know. And they they you know, so it's going to be interesting how that goes. So it's a little bit. It definitely was a surprise, but I can tell you from a fan base perspective, they have been extremely excited, extremely pumped up. I've again, as a Floridian, I've always thought that odd that Texas wasn't in. Uh, the SEC, you know, it just seemed like that just made sense when we think about the Southeastern Conference. But now I think this to me is is kind of like the universe, uh, you know, writing itself. And and I think this is I think other teams in the SEC should be really excited about this because not because Texas and OU are here, but when you start thinking about recruiting mm-hmm. in the SEC, so that 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 base is down in Florida. You know, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, like a lot of good states and, of course, some parts in in Louisiana now having the opportunity to stretch into Texas and really be able to say, all right, you know, hey, we've got two SEC teams in the state of Texas, Texas, Texas A&M. And now for some of the other programs to be able to say, hey, man, I can't get this three star or four star out of Florida. But man, there's a there's a four star out of Texas. And I can tell that person, hey, you know what? You still get to see your mama, you know, a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to have to go that far away. You'll, they'll still get a chance to see you. They still, this is still drivable thing. So I think at some point it will enhance recruiting uh, for the other programs to now be, imagine just a program being able to say kind of how Bama's been able to do, well, we'll go into Florida and get who we want. We'll go into Texas and get who we want. Now other programs have the opportunity to really expand and say, we'll go into the, the to the two of the biggest states with the top elite recruits. You know, I'm not naming like a California or up in Maryland, but two of the, just the best places you want to go and have every right to be there. It's it's gonna. It's, I think it only makes the league a strong league even stronger. Yeah, because I I agree with you 100 because all these players that are going to let's say Baylor or TCU or Texas Tech, 
I mean, I don't see how they turn their back on a Missouri, Arkansas, you know, Ole Miss teams like that. Yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna win every one of those battles uh, because there's so many Absolutely, there's so many good players in Texas. No, you're right, and and again, we don't know as of this moment what that Big 12 conference looks like going forward. But yes, if I'm to your point, if where I may have not considered Missouri or I may not have considered a, a program like that, because you're like, why would I go there? Now that I know I'm attached to this league that uh, one is, has su- success year in and, and year out, competing for national titles, competing for conference championships. And the thing is, that, and you know this very well, Mike, all these kids who are coming out of high school believe they're going to go pro. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just believe that they just believe it. We're older. We understand the percentages. We right. understand life. We've seen it come and go. We've seen the, the high five, five stars and the four stars and, and then them flop. But these kids don't know that at this moment. Um, and so they look at the SEC as the gateway to the NFL. And so, again, I'm not going to if I'm a kid in Texas, I'm not looking at Texas Tech as a gateway to the NFL or Baylor to the gateway or TCU or any of the other programs. I'm going to look at these other programs and say, hell, even if I'm at Ole Miss, I still got a poly. I may have a better chance Mm -hmm. than going to some of these other programs, you know, that are available within the state. So I, I just think from a recruiting perspective you know, a few years down the line, it, when the SEC has a stranglehold on all these programs where we're looking at recruiting rankings and one through 10 to, and 15 and how many SEC schools are going to be in there, it's going to be because of the pool that everyone's able to, to pull from. I really wanted to ask you, how do we get Texas and Oklahoma in here as soon as possible? 2022, a lot of people are hoping. And I know on, uh, well, I saw the Billy Lucci episode. That was great. But the one prior... I mean, you guys were saying, well, well, hell, we need the Big 12 to die. So it, it's it's wild how quickly uh, that league could go away. But uh, it is, would that be the main obstacle in getting Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC? Yeah, there's a couple, so there's a couple of ways for it to happen, right? And so the easiest way is for Texas to Oklahoma to cut a check, right? If they just cut a check and say, like, this is the $80 million that's owed we're out. That's the easiest way for them to do that. And I'm I'm of the belief that Texas and OU and like we could just use simple logic didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, we should get outside of SEC. Do we have a plan? No, we'll just wing it, right. figure it out. Like we know this well enough to know that this is this has been strategized. This is planned. They know they know all their different options mm-hmm. and they know which they plan to execute. The tough, the what can make it a really interesting domino that could fall, because that you know Bob Bowlesby was sending out press releases and he was upset about everything. But at some point, they they got to start thinking about their future, and these individual programs have to think about their future as well. Texas and OU going into the SEC that sets these programs up for the next fifty to hundred years. That yeah. they're, they're 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 good. That's pay dirt. But if you're a Texas Tech, you got to figure out what you do now. You can't just worry about getting a paycheck for three or four years. You've got to make sure that you don't go become obscure, obsolete. I think the interesting domino that could fall is when one of these other programs, let's say like a West Virginia, if West Virginia has an opportunity to maybe join the ACC and they say, all right, we're out, we're out as well. And now all of a sudden the Big 12 knows they're out of seven programs, mm-hmm. maybe potentially six programs. That's when I think the, everything falls and crumbles and everything happens very quickly, you know, but I, I think that my guess 
and, and this is a pure guess. My guess is that there's going to be things that have been done behind the scenes in order to speed this up to get this to 2022. You know, Texas being in this conference as a lame duck for the next three or four years, I don't think works well for anyone right. or, 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 you know, or you as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it overshadows the conference. It takes away any of the positivity of the conference. If it's just about a check, it's about a check. But it, I mean, imagine Big 12 media days where, where that's the only question being asked. Like it just, at some point, I, I think the, I think dominoes are going to fall. I think what's going to, what we'll see is that well, I think we'll see other programs going into survival mode and trying to find potentially landing spots in other conferences. And if they could, because when the TV, this, this TV contract is up, without Texas and Oklahoma, these people in these conferences aren't going to make as much money. Right. <laughs> you know, these there, there's that, the, the, the demand to watch Iowa State games <laughs> and K-State games and, and Texas Tech games, but that's not going to be there. No one's going to play a premier price for that. And even the teams that they're able to add in, when you think of the free agents that are out there, whether it's the University of Houston, really good program, whether it's SMU, really good program, University of Central Florida, University of South Florida, Cincinnati, again, good programs, but that's not going to move the needle from a TV perspective. Yeah. So the, if a conference can go somewhere, if a school could go somewhere else and get into a conference, and make sure and figure out, okay, we'll make more money here than we will in the Big 12. Then those dominoes start to fall. And then I think you see the Texas OU thing sped up a lot more. Now, I know it's early, but, uh, you know, have you gotten any feedback from the Texas fans in, in regarding, uh, you know, how competitive they expect to be right out the gate in the SEC? Because I know we all we're all making the jokes. Texas can't even compete in the Big 12. And I don't mean to offend Longhorns, but I kind of see this similar as Missouri. When they entered the SEC, I don't know uh, if you re recall that time, but I mean, people thought it was a joke. They thought they would take 10 years for them to be competitive. And then I know the, the SEC East was down, but they, they won the division two years in a row. So uh, could you see something like that for Texas, depending on, you know, let's say they get in the league next year? No, um, I, I think, in, you know, Look, I love being on your show. And the one thing I always try to do is just keep it real. Like, I'm not going to try to BS anyone just to say it for BS. Mm -hmm. I think the program that could really hit the ground running is Oklahoma. I think that is the team that has sh shown us success, mm -hmm. been very successful. Lincoln Riley is a fantastic coach. He just is. His ability to recruit quarterbacks is clearly uh, probably, I don't know who else really compares to him in the country as far as producing top elite quarterbacks. I mean, the Spencer Rattler ends up being, a, you know, first round pick or, you know, you're, you're starting to look at Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts to Spencer Rattler. Like, I mean, that guy can do it. And the thing is that people don't know who may not follow OU. They've got a defensive coordinator by the name of Alex Grinch. And that defense got a lot better last year. And there, it's like, oh, you got to the point when they knew they had a high-powered offense, but when they got to the, you know, the Final Four, they were losing because of their defense. Mm -hmm. And so they they put a heavy emphasis on improving their defense. This is a team that I think will be, be talked about. We'll be talking about this team in late this, late November, but early December as a team that we're talking about potentially in the CFP. So I think OU has a chance to hit the ground running. And I know people will say certain things. I was, when we, you were funny to talk about Billy Lucci. I think what SEC fans have to understand is that, you know, preparing for OU for a bowl game is one thing. 
three weeks to prepare, four weeks to prepare. You've got a lot of time. But when you've got three to four days to prepare for an OU, when you really going only get really, you, you know, you do a Sunday kind of practice, kind of walk through mm-hmm. having the day off and you only have a few days, it's going to be different. It's a different world. And so I think for me, OU is a team that goes in there is, is poised for the success. The Texas thing to me is a wait and see game. I need to see what they do this year. Um, more so than, uh, and, and if they could have some success this year, I could say, okay, potentially uh, they could be uh, successful. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, the SEC is good uh, of, as a conference as they are. I mean, once, once you get past, you know, some of the top teams, your Florida's, your Georgia's, um, A&M is really good. I mean, then you get into like this, this middle area where I, I don't look at it and say these teams are that much better than maybe Texas. Is Mississippi that much better than Texas? Arkansas, I don't think is better than Texas. We'll find out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is Tennessee better than Texas? South Carolina, I mean, Vanderbilt, of course not. Missouri. So there's a, there's a middle tier of teams that I think Texas can say, okay, they'll be in the middle tier as of this moment. If Sarkeesia built something great, and they go out there and they beat Louisiana in the home opener. They go on the road at Arkansas. Uh, and it was funny because that, that's a night game. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. And I'm just, when that game was made and it was a night game, I, tell, I was like, that's really weird. Like, how does Arkansas get a Saturday night game on ESPN? And then it's like, oh, well, so suddenly, mysteriously, now there's more interest in that game because that would actually be Texas versus an SEC uh, school. Um, by the way, Texas has been had some success against SEC programs in bowl games. Uh, they did beat Georgia uh, in a game, which, of course, it didn't. It, it apparently didn't count because <laughs> Georgia players didn't want to be there, right? That, that's how it works. That's right? our if excuse it, if they every win, time. <laughs> they didn't want to be there, so it didn't count. Uh, okay, uh, they did beat Missouri uh, in a bowl game previously as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've had some success. So I'll be interested, but if they get off to back, back to what I was saying, so if they get off to a good start, they get off to maybe a three or no start, um, really get past the first two games with the Louisiana's at home. That's going to be a tough game going on the road against Arkansas hostile environment. That's a tough game, but if they can have some success and at least fit in, get to the big 12 championship game, then I would say, okay, right, but you know, potential, but to, uh, they're, they're, it's not throwing shade or, Texas has not won a Big 12 championship since 2009. And they've only been to the Big 12 championship game one time since then, which a couple of years ago with the infamous Sam Mellinger were back. Mm -hmm. So I can't sit here and say, oh my gosh, like they're going to hit the ground running. I'm like, "Mm, I mean, they'll hit the ground and then, (laughs) you know, and they'll, you know, and maybe they'll walk and run and stuff like that, but there's still some heavy hitters in there. and, And, I think Oklahoma is better poised, but you know, Texas will see, I'll, let's see what they do this year. And I could probably better answer that question. It's interesting that you, uh, you know, make that note of that uh, Arkansas Texas game at night. I never thought of it quite like that. I like to think of it, uh, you know, obviously last year we went to the 10 game sec schedule and the sec really screwed over the Razorbacks because they added Georgia and Florida as their two added games. So I thought they were just throwing them a bone, but Hey, I think you, you just, you, maybe you're, you're onto something there. So I really did want to ask you about that game. I mean, I, I assume Texas fans think that's going to be an easy win. Uh, I speak to a lot of Arkansas fans. They think they got a real fighting chance and I've been saying it all off season. I think the Razorbacks 
are going to shock the world and win that game. I, th- I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. Uh, obviously, it sounds like you maybe not so much, but uh, what's the expectation there for Texas and, and Longhorn fans going into that game? Do they think it's going to be a tough one? Or as I've seen some people say, they think the, the opener against Louisiana is going to be a tougher game than that. Oh, most most Texas fans think Louisiana is tougher than Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas was a three-win team last season. So, you know, you're not going to – Texas was a seven-win team, right? right? So you're not going to have a team that – that's just, you know, logic, right? And then Louisiana is a team that beat Iowa State last year in, all, in, all, in the season opener. So that's a, that's a team that's posted, I think, 10 wins or more the last two years. You're familiar with their coach, mm-hmm. Billy Napier. I mean, he's a guy that I believe – you know, is destined to be at a big time program. Yep. And this is this is almost like a Super Bowl for him. It's almost like an audition of sorts. To, if he can go out and, and get a win against Texas, I mean, now we're talking about him the entire rest of the season and what programs he can go to after that. Right. So that game ends up being tough. They've got the majority of their starters back on both sides of the ball, especially the quarterback. So that game ends up being, a, I, I think it's one of those like, even, even uh, you know, Sarkeesian had said, hey, this is not the other school in Louisiana. Okay, this 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 program is really good. Um, so I think the Texas fans look at that. They look at Arkansas as a team that is rebuilding. But it's interesting you say something is about that. Jeff Ketchum, uh, who's the owner and publisher of Orange Buds, he's been telling me, he's like, look, Anwar, Arkansas is a crazy place to go into. Mm-hmm. And if you've never been there, he's, he's been more, he's like, it's a crazy place. Strange things happen there. Arkansas people, they're, they're, that rivalry goes back for years. Don't, they don't like Texas. Uh, so, you know, that's one of those things that I'll be interested to see and, of course, to follow because this would be this is an audition of some sorts for us to really get a chance. This is Texas first SEC game right, that, right. that you're really paying attention to, you know. Um, and so I, I don't know. It, some of it will depend to me. And the, the thing is that Texas working in Texas favors, they got a hell of a running back by the name of B. John Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, former five star. Uh, he's going to be the bell cow, you know, for the University of Texas. There's some Heisman odds on him, uh, but he's a guy that, you know, within, you know, three out of his last four games rushed for over 400, rushed for over 400 yards, 100 yards each. And then in the bowl game, I want to say it's killing me right now, but almost like 170 yards with maybe nine to 10 carries, something phenomenal like that. He's going he's gonna to be a problem, right? For your, your guys got to get used to him, and he's only a sophomore. Uh, everyone on your podcast needs to get used to that name. He, he's going to be a problem. And Starkeesian, and as you know from his Alabama days, mm-hmm. uh, he when he has his top running back, that's the person who's getting 20-plus carries. So yeah, I think Arkansas has that to contend with. And, you know, the quarterback uh, that, that Texas eventually rolls out there, you know, there's a quarterback battle going on right now between Casey Thompson uh, and Hudson Card, but Casey Thompson in the bowl game against Colorado as a guy that threw for four touchdowns and basically one quarter. Uh, now, is he going to do that every single game? Clearly not. I mean, that's that would that's it's like arena football kind of numbers, but he's a really good quarterback. And again, Sarkeesian has a good track record of dealing with quarterbacks is, you know, dating way, way back to his the USC years, Washington years. So, you know, if he is the quarterback whisperer and you guys saw Matt Jones before, mm-hmm. if he's the quarterback whisperer that he has been, 
you know, Texas ends up probably having an advantage in that area. Uh, you know, and Texas also, from a talent standpoint, probably has a little more talent than Oklahoma. I mean, not, not Oklahoma, or Arkansas. You know, the Texas' biggest issue has just been the, the coaching aspect of it, coaching up the talent. But, you know, we go composite rankings. Texas, the, the guys on this team, Texas had two top five recruiting classes under Tom Herman, mm-hmm. you know, back-to-back seasons. Uh, according to rivals, and I believe they were four each season. So there's talent that's here on this roster. Uh, and if this new staff gets the most out of this talent, then all of a sudden there could be a lot of, you know, a little bit of a differences in that game. So, you know, I, you know, it's a game that, uh, again, I, I want to get past Louisiana on that. Like today, if you tell me, hey, who you got to put $100 on, I'll tip my $100 uh, on Texas for those reasons that I just stated. Mm-hmm. But the game's on the road. Okay, and, you know, when you got a new team on the road and it's, you know, new offense, new defense, you know, new things, new everything, new on special teams. And then you got a new quarterback in his first, you know, road start in a hostile environment. Strange things happen. You've been doing this for a long time. Strange things have been known to happen. So that's just kind of my preliminary thoughts on that game. Now, you keep mentioning uh, Steve Sarkeesian. We all know that name from uh, his time at uh, Alabama, USC, Washington, like you said. Anything stand out to you uh, in the spring or in the summer that uh, maybe one or two things that that really lead you to believe this is the right guy for the Texas program? Well, I would say there's a, there's been a couple of things. You know, from a quarterback perspective, the quarterbacks seem to really like him. And they, they, there seems to be a relatability factor. And I think it's because Sarkeesian did play quarterback, you know, in, in college. So I think his, his knowledge and his ability to relate to those guys uh, seemingly is something that has gone extremely well. The play, and, and this may sound corny to, to say it, but the players really seem to like him and respect him. And it's interesting because he took this approach and you see this a lot of times in, in college football and he took this opposite approach, but a lot of times in college football guys get the job and all of a sudden they just become the, the crazy coach who's got to run out all the bad players mm-hmm. who were crappy before. And so all of a sudden they become, they take this us versus them as the new coaches versus these old guys. And these guys are sissies and these guys are wusses. And so these guys need to, now we're going to make them run more. And now we're doing like disrespectful things to, you know, as far as you get your food, if you're a champion, you get a certain mm-hmm. breakfast or a certain lunch or a dinner if you perform in this group. And if not, then you get like crappy food. And Tom Herman used to do that when he came in. And it takes an us versus them type of mentality. And when Tom Herman did that, when he got here, he had a fractured locker room. And he had a, a group of guys that just did not want to follow him. Tom, uh, Charlie Strong did that when he first got here. And he was just, I think he suspended like at least eight or kicked eight, at least eight guys off the team. And again, took this like, uh, I'm, you know, used to call me crazy Joe. Now you call me Batman kind of mentality. Well, he, Starcation hasn't done that. And I think because he, he was in the NFL, he understands that, there's a way you talk to players and the way you try to relate to players. Cause I did the NFL for years. I covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I covered the Detroit lions. I worked at Yahoo. And the one thing you know about the NFL is that players will curse you out at any moment, at any moment, a player will tell you to go F yourself, screw you. And there's not much you can do as a coach. So they have to learn how to, 
you know, give and take. And that's, and, and so he, his ability to relate to the guys in the way that they're saying that, Hey, they're able to pick up things and they're able to learn things and enjoying themselves and feeling comfortable. I think maybe, maybe it's something that ends up, you know, helping them and, and him having the national championship also helps because they're listening, mm-hmm. you know, they, the, the, they've got to see Alabama play. They, and, and the one great thing that happened for Texas is Sarkeesian was still coaching in a national championship game after he was named as a head coach. So the, all eyes, especially from the players, were all watching this game. And they were like, all right, well, what's this new guy going to do? And when they were able to see what that offense was able to do with the running back receivers, offensive line, how all that type of stuff clicked, there became this excitement that said, well, man, I mean, he did that there. Maybe he can do that here. Um, because the thing about Texas is you don't necessarily have to be as good as Alabama, right? You just get, got to be better than Baylor. You just got to be better than TCU. You just got to be better than Iowa State. You know, <laughs> saying like they don't, you know, I got to be better than Tech. Like that's what you got to be at this moment. Right. The Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, that that day will come. But right now, can you make this program good enough to be better than the other programs that you are technically better than, that you technically have out recruited? But the only bad part is you've been out coached. And now, if they can get to a coach in here who is not getting out coached, but who can match wits and then be and then exploit the talent that is better than the talent that is at other programs, then there's a, there's a chance for success. All right, last question I got for you on the Longhorns. Uh, now with uh, Texas obviously coming to the SEC and, and Sarkeesian taking over there, I know they're heavily involved in the recruitment of Arch Manning. Uh, do, do you think mm-hmm. it helps them now that they're in the SEC? And uh, because that, I mean, a guy like that, if he lives up to all this incredible hype, that's how you get to that Alabama, Georgia, LSU level is to get you a quarterback like that. So do you think that helps the Longhorns? I think it helps. I, you know, is it the deciding factor? No, but the, you know, the, the Mannings are an SEC family. Right. They just, they just are. And so, you know, the, the thing that was always was a kind of a, a question for me was like, is, is he really going to go outside of the SEC fam? Like this is what their entire family has done and lived. And so Texas going into the SEC, I think kind of gives them that familiarity of the SEC, SEC country. Right. And I think that, I think that's the thing that it helps. I think him just stretching out on his own and just going to a big 12 conference would have been a little bit like, hmm. but you know, now I think he gets to stay uh, there, you know, look, it's, 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 it is a short flight uh, from New Orleans uh, to get into Austin. I mean, you're, you're talking like an hour and, and change at most. So that's easy for the family to do uh, easy to get your Southwest uh, points uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, you know, have the opportunity to live in Austin and that there's an appeal of Sarkeesian and what he's able to do. So, you know, everything I've gathered from it, Texas is still on, still on the table, still on the board, but they're going to take, they want to see what the product looks like on the field this year. Mm-hmm. And if the product looks like really good on the field this year, then absolutely. Then it's that, that SEC move absolutely helps them. But I don't think without the SEC move, I think that, I think there's a question mark about going into unfamiliar territory. I mean, we all like to do things that we're familiar with. Right. I just it's just human nature. And now at least you can guide your child and say, all right, 
All right, one kid went to Tennessee, another kid went to Ole Miss. All right, well, this guy goes to Texas. All right, it's still it's still SEC. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing, I really appreciate all your time, Anwar, but we got – hey, we're going to have fans now, SEC fans coming to Austin, the great city of Austin. So oh, can yeah. you give us some recommendations, man, what, maybe uh, best bars or best plate restaurants or, you know, tailgating? Uh, what would you give the advice to, to SEC fans that have never been to Austin? So the first thing I would tell SEC fans that have not been here, get do yourself a favor, take off Thursday and Friday, and also get a late flight back on Sunday because it's a great city. I mean, you just you're going to want to enjoy it, right? And uh, you know, the, if you're if you want to be happy about anything, is and I don't know about all the SEC <laughs> cities. But this will probably be one of the best destinations for all you guys. Um, it, it, look, as it gets closer, I'll give you some recommendations because I want to make sure I don't piss off any sponsors. But, you know, sick, it, everyone has their, their – the food is great. The barbecue here is great. It's hard to go wrong. It's considered a music city capital of the world. We have beautiful lakes that are out here. You can rent a boat and just and – just, get lost for the, you know, for four hours, there's trails and, and, and hills and, and, and beautiful kind of, you know, mountains to, to say the, 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 I don't there's a, probably a better word for it. That, and it's not really a mountain, but anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, the scenery is, is beautiful. The downtown area is, is nice. Um, there's an MLS soccer team that is here if you're into, into soccer. So, there, there will be a plenty of things to do. I would just say use this as a time to take an extended vacation because there's a reason why everyone's moving to Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason why um, you know everyone loves Austin. Uh, you know, very rarely hear anyone say I went to Austin. That was a really crappy trip, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's usually something positive associated with it. So uh, as it gets closer. I will give you, you know, your food recommendations. I mean, everyone will tell you about Franklin Barbecue. That's the historic place and and that's what's that what we're known for um but jack allen's has really good food dishes style switch is also a, a good uh barbecue place um there's so many barbecue places i'm gonna get and there's gonna be people who get really ticked off at me but uh, there's 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 good eating to be had uh everywhere so c- come come and uh i'll 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 treat one one of your podcasts members what your followers i'll treat one of them to drinks will be on me oh there you go i mean hey we've never had one that you got to choose the one <laughs> you choose the one and that person uh, th- that night i'll tell I'll, I'll i'll take him around austin drinks on me there you go he's onwar richardson give him a follow you can find that in the show notes covers texas for orangebloods.com on where i really really appreciate uh, all your time no, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Whenever you want to have me back on, we'll definitely talk. Uh, hopefully it'll be next year and we can start talking about the season. Uh, but yes, I think it's going to be a fun uh, marriage. And anytime you need me on, I got you, Mike. All right. So I just want to say thanks again, Alwar. I really appreciate you. And how about that? I mean, this is the first time we've ever had a guest on the show offering to buy drinks for <laughs> SEC fans. I cannot wait. For that first trip down to Austin, whoever that, you know, it's going to, if they keep it the way it is, it's going to be an Alabama fan. So he may regret that one because the Crimson Tide travel really, really well. And you know, if it's Alabama week two of the 2022 season, that stadium is going to be rocking with, uh, man, 
who knows how many Crimson Tide fans, but I have seen them take over buildings. Ne well, outside of Vanderbilt, I was about to say, never really seen them take over the entire SEC stadium before, but who knows, man? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. None of these Texas fans are great, but it's going to be uh, quite the scene whenever that first, the first time Texas hosts an SEC matchup, and I simply cannot wait for it, and I hope Man, do I hope it's 2022. Uh, we do not need to be talking about this for two or three years, that's for sure. But all right, that's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. And as always, you know, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. Just send those on over to thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. And check us out on YouTube, man. That thing's blowing up. We're getting uh, tons and tons of interaction on there. We're really trying to get that to grow. And I can't wait to share with you guys what uh, what we've got cooking up here. And you won't get the full effect unless you check it out on YouTube. So appreciate each and every one of you. Catch you all in the next one.